0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Renegade Marquee on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike, and joining me, as always, is the streaming demon, Jacob. Hey, folks. And we've got returning to us, we've got Hayden. Hello. We've got Haley.
1: Hello.
0: We've got Gwen. Hi. And making his renegade pop culture debut. Please welcome Matt.
2: Yo, yo, happy to meet everyone.
0: Yeah, we're happy to have you here on this, uh, this very bizarre, um, and very unbelievable film that James Wan just released this weekend called Malignant. Um, now, one, one of us here, I know, is a big James Wan fan. So, Gwen, why don't you describe Malignant for the audience?
3: Oh, uh, okay. Well, I'll try and keep this brief, as brief as I can. But to really describe it, like I just have to put in a little something. Because after Saw, right after his like big feature debut... With saw him and lee wall uh, lee one l made another movie in the studio system with universal called dead silence that movie the screenplay was rushed for starters because it was the first uh for higher work that lee one l did and also um, the studio did not really know what the movie was they just gave them the money and let them make the movie and James 1L wanted to make a movie that was very heavily inspired by Hammer horror films and Italian horror films and they confused the hell out of the studio and they had no idea what to do with it it was reshot re-edited and we ended up just getting kind of like the first big jump for James Wan into his love of these types of films, these very campy, you know, horror films that just are not serious at all. And his heart was kind of broken by that and everything since then, he, he dabbled in it a little bit. He flirted with the camp. But this time around, he just completely lets it rip. He just goes all in. He doesn't give a shit anymore. He has all the clout in the world, you know, making Conjuring films and Furious 7 and Aquaman. And now he can ju- he just pretty much gets a blank check to make whatever movie he wants. And he basically does Dead Silence the way that he always <laughs> wanted to do it. <laughs> but it's still a very different movie from Dead Silence.
0: Awesome. Um so first first of all, I should warn you guys this this podcast is going to be completely spoiler spoiler-filled. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, um come back to this review later. Or if you have no intention, if you had no intention to watch this, hear what we have to say, and if it sounds at all appealing, then go give it a shot either in theaters or on HBO Max.
4: So please
3: watch it,
0: (laughs) but yes, please watch it.
3: Um, I don't know why
0: you wouldn't want to, but it's okay. (laughs) So this movie um, obviously is directed by James Wan from a screenplay by um, Akella Cooper. I don't know if I pronounced her name, right. Um, Right. And based on an original story by Wan. Um, Ingrid Bisou and Cooper um, so it stars Annabelle Wallace as uh, Madison Lake Mitchell um, a woman paralyzed by fear from shocking visions whose torment worsens as she discovers her waking dreams are terrifying realities and if that sounds like one of the one of the laziest plot synopses ever is because
3: it's pretty intentionally
0: vague. Much... <laughs> yeah, pretty much everything. She goes places.
4: <laughs> Whenever yeah. the trailer showed, you are not prepared. No. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, like, I get it. A, here's the thing, like my my friend um one of my friends is like a like really big Italian like giallo horror movie fan. Like he has dived deep into that genre. I'm I'm pretty um I'm pretty much a noob to it like I I mostly know about that stuff through studying James Wan films Mm. and I've seen like Blood and Black Lace but that's pretty much it for me and well of course uh, Suspiria is another one I saw but like there's so many of them that I haven't seen (laughs) yeah I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that
5: I have seen Mm -hmm. the original Suspiria. Um, I still, I really want to see the remake in which Tilda Swinton plays an old man.
3: Uh, No, Luke
4: Eppersdorf played the old man. What are you talking about?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, like, because, like, my friend heard that this was going to be inspired by that, kind of like Edgar Wright's new film, Last Night in Soho, that's coming out, which he's really excited for. But... Um the thing is, is he saw the trailers for Malignant. And he's just like, oh, just, this isn't a giallo film. This is just another standard James Wan supernatural demon movie. There's not gonna and I was like, it is not that movie at all, my friend. You need to watch this thing now. <laughs>
0: um and it's so it's so not that movie from mm literally just like the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. That um,
2: opening was incredible.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: It, Haley- uh. it sets such a great tone in terms of just the visuals, what you're kind of expecting from just all the swirling movements and the, the score. I mean, I love the score throughout the movie, but especially in the intro, it really just sinks you in. And I don't know about you guys, but I definitely went into the movie with pretty tempered expectations like the like you guys were saying the trailers just weren't that great but right from that opening scene I'm like all right I'm in Haley Mm -hmm. I
0: gotta ask since you're since you're kind of the not horror fan of the group Mm -hmm. um -hmm. first of all I gotta ask um what what was it that finally inspired you to to seek this one out
1: so yeah I'm not a big horror person And a huge, a huge part of that is just the idea of going to a movie theater and being assaulted with just really intense imagery while violins are shrieking over very loud speakers sounds like a night straight out of hell to me. And that's like what a lot of, and I don't want to generalize a whole genre because there are horror movies I like, but I feel like the more modern ones when even when I find one interesting and I go see it it tends to kind of devolve into that so it's Mm. just not a genre I generally go to it's I find horror movies more anxiety inducing and that's what they're supposed to do but it's not something I enjoy doing it's like I I could could set out my could set off my anxiety any number of ways that is more enjoyable than this but um one of the things was that I I heard that this was not going to be in the i heard that this was not in the normal paranormal mode that a lot of horror movies have been in recently that it was going to be a little more splattery a little more pulpy a little more like a 70s horror movie which is the kind like a not like a chopping mall cuz that movie's terrible but like in those kind those kinds of like straight to video video nasty type things and i'm like okay i'm kind of into that that sounds fun and then someone told me the twist is killer and i was like well at the very least i want to know what the twist is and holy shit <laughs> i i really enjoyed this i had a lot of fun with this um and i think part of it is for a horror movie it's a hell of a, it's a hell of an action movie for a horror movie and i think that's part of <laughs> yeah. what makes it Really, I think that makes it a lot more accessible than, you know, Saw 12 or whatnot. And I really liked the first Saw movie. It's very that's that's one of the all-time greats, I think. And and Juan is very good at ratcheting up tension without using the shorthands of the genre. So it's like the music in this is extremely impressive, like a real really well done score. But oh, yeah. he's really good at ratcheting up tension without making it unbearable and with the and without it being kind of cliched. So I think that makes it a really that helps make it a really enjoyable ride. Um I also think this movie is very funny, like both intentionally funny. and unintentionally. Like when that that one scene where she's doing the laundry, you see that motherfucker Naruto run behind her, and he's going like yeah! i'm like oh my god that did that just naruto run behind her (laughs) holy crap but uh yeah it's a no i really enjoyed this and i think part and like it's a at, at its core it's a solid horror movie it's it's pulpy it's silly it's it's real it feels realistic just enough to let you suspend your disbelief it's not so wacky that you're like, "Oh Jesus Christ, okay, this has never happened," and it's also not uh, so realistic, gory that you're just like feeling ill instead of horrified, which is another problem I have with a lot of horror movies. Um, although those, those medical scenes were pretty nasty. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, they they can like, they, they can be
1: that. Yeah, that was that was the only part. Those were the only parts I was like, Ugh, but it it works because the rest of the violence is so Fist of the North Star, Akira, uh people just exploding in paint buckets of blood, you know
3: like I I actually feel you with the medical scenes because here's the thing with me I could I could watch horror movies where people are butchered and it doesn't bother me but if I'm seeing like a medical scene like a surgery scene from like a medical show on ABC or some shit like that like I I actually get nauseous (laughs) that actually bugs me
1: there's a level of reality to it that just it's not plausible anymore you're it's not there's no plausible deniability anymore your brain's like oh no i'm watching a surgery oh no
0: yeah (laughs) yeah i i think i kind of feel the same way like 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 violence violence in action is is like yes give me more but um but specifically in this movie the scene where where they're actually performing like performing the surgery and like lodging Gabriel back into
3: her skull. That's like, Ugh. Oh God.
1: Yeah. It was. Oh
3: yeah. My skull that... has some teeth in it.
1: <laughs> I wasn't even that bothered by Gabriel pulling out of her skull. Cause it looked pretty, it was very cool in an HR Geiger kind of sense, but hmm. them putting him back in, I was just like, Oh God.
4: Personally, I think Gabriel was adorable. <laughs> of course you do, Hayden. Those little arms, like going everywhere. It's just...
1: all. oh, Gabriel, Ulu soft boy, oh. No, I'm. I will never do that again.
3: Here's the thing. I mean, I guess I should probably wait for that element, like when we get into describing a story. But I, I do have a story for whatever that that twist hits, because, um, because me and my girlfriend watched it together. And she likes horror movies, but also she is very. Uh, I'm trying to like, She's very squeamish about some things. So like. Whatever she saw. That scene, she just freaked the fuck out. <laughs> and I don't blame her. Honestly, the movie,
2: in a lot of ways, I mean, it, it has those kind of 70s and 80s kind of inspirations. But it's like, what if those movies were made with like with, with an actual budget? Because, you know, Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. they did kind of give James Wan the blank check. They were like, wow, you actually made a good Aquaman movie. No one thought that was possible. So do whatever you want with this. And he really he just went for it. I mean, in every way. And I i love how wild just the the imagery gets he pushes boundaries in ways that I mean it's always done in a playful way and not like you know a gross and kind of too realistic way it's always played Mm -hmm. in this kind of form of camp but I I just thought it was really inventive like he would always one-up himself somehow
3: yeah like that that's something that I think is really impressive about James Wan too he's never he never gets complacent. He's always pushing to to take his craft farther. Um, like I've never seen him go backwards. So that's that's one big positive I can always give to him.
0: Yeah, even even in like his studio films, like uh, like the Conjuring movies, and I think Insidious Chapter Two was the first time that I really noticed. Oh. Okay, there's there's more to him than just than just jump scares and like jump scares and trauma. He he likes to have a little bit of fun because Insidious Chapter 2 is basically (laughs) it's it's basically the horror equivalent of Back to the Future part two. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, like it's it's actually kind of cool to hear someone else say something. Like positive about that movie because I remember when I first saw Insidious Chapter Two and I came out of it really liking it and everyone else was like, "Eh, eh, eh. it was a movie." <laughs>
5: I've only seen the first Insidious one, by the way.
3: Oh, yeah. dude you you got to
0: check out Chapter Two. Um, I don't I don't want to say it's my it's my favorite of the Insidious franchise, but considering how much I love Back to the Future. I I just have a soft spot for it.
3: Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting with how um, they use the further in new ways. With I no context
1: it. for that franchise, that was a hell of a sentence.
3: <laughs> I've never seen
1: an Insidious movie, and being like, "Well, Back to the Future," you know. Okay, I'm gonna go watch <laughs> <Yeah>. that now.
5: <laughs> um, going from um. That to like and the conjuring, uh, that wasn't very playful though, was it? That was more of a straightforward drama, wouldn't you say? Go ahead.
0: the first um, one the first one takes kinda? itself a
5: little bit more. Yeah, but uh, there wasn't as much um tongue-in-cheekness in that one.
3: I mean, there there is um oh shit, I don't know what's wrong with my internet here. One minute. Okay, I'm back. But like I think. Like, there, there is comedy in the first Conjuring film. Like, like kind of tongue-in-cheek comedy. Like, the part whenever um, Ed Warren picks up that giant camera and is like, it's so light. <laughs> <laughs> like, just making a jab at how old cameras are just these massive <laughs> things. <laughs> um, but um, I'm going to let you guys continue talking for a little bit. I will be right back. I have to... Um, feed my dog before she
2: one thing I'll say about like all of James Wan's horror movies is they seem to kind of embrace like a different kind of aesthetic like the Saw movies are very much in like kind of the grotesque the you know this movie is more in like the kind of campy Jaleo like you know slasher kind of in that mold and then the Conjuring movies are in the, the haunted house kind of sphere so like he's shown he can do every kind of quadrant of horror, which most directors, they kind of, they have their style in horror, but they kind of stick to that through a a lot of movies.
4: And I think at the same time, he implements his own style and all these different types in a way that's really unique. And you can definitely see his foot, his fingerprints all over. And it's really fascinating to see from him.
2: I thought it was cool. He said that um he like even as he directs movies like Aquaman Fast and Furious, he's like, you can never he said this in an interview, you can never take the the horror fan out of me. Like that was, those influences are like kind of ever present in his movies, which is which is really cool to see.
5: Yeah, Aqu- even Aquaman kinda has that tongue-in-cheek horror because it has this giant Leviathan monster voiced by freaking Julie Andrews. Yep. Mary Poppins' voice is like, like Cthulhu.
0: Yeah, like 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 Matt said. There's um, there's a little bit of horror in all of his movies. Um, in, in Furious Seven, he pretty much frames Jason Statham as like a slasher villain um, when he's first introduced. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of funny how. He go he goes from from a Furious Seven to Aquaman to Malignant, which does kind of become an action film towards the, you know, towards the third act of the film, which we'll get to, we'll get to in a little bit. For now though, I just want to talk about some of the performances. Um, what did you guys think of um, Annabelle Wallace as our main protagonist?
5: It was great.
2: Yeah, I mean, the acting, a lot of the acting in the movie is very, you know, campy and kind of over delivered, but I thought she was actually like probably like kind of the sturdy, kind of dramatic center that the movie needed. Like, I, I mean, the movie doesn't take its story necessarily super seriously, but it's good to have kind of a foundation of like emotional stakes to kind of invest the audience. So I, I hadn't been a big fan of her in other movies. I remember she was in the mummy movie tom cruise which just all around didn't work but i thought she was really good here
0: i i don't necessarily blame her for that movie just just kind of the movie itself was was like lackluster that's definitely yeah. stark universe <laughs> <We miss you. laughs>
1: yeah i think um I think the thing that keeps me from thinking this movie is great as opposed to good is the acting, but it's not on Annabelle Wallace's part. I think she that that role very hard to do. And this tone, this the kind of tone that this movie is conveying is hard to nail. And she does a very good job with it because she's got to be realistically troubled, but not like plate smashingly hysterical, but also still but not being so frightening that we're constantly like we need to be worried for her but not like truly unnerved or concerned by her because she's our central character. We want to root for her even though we're kind of sensing that maybe she killed a bunch of people. So she does a good job with that.
4: And I felt really genuinely for her character, which I thought was and and I started out the movie thinking like oh this is so silly but at the end I kind of realized oh I actually do really want this character to succeed and did i was really like kind of taken aback by that but you know mm-hmm. a lot of that does have to do with her performance and
5: did and anyone I, else get kind of invisible man vibes from this movie the recent one a, li- a little bit uh, it's not the,
2: the third act i kind of got that yeah but,
5: where she's framed for you know like kill, like committing a murder in that one
2: and and then the whole climax is set in like a police station i mean the the a visible man was a prison but just kind of similar environments but i i can kind of see what you're saying
0: what, what's what's funny is a couple a couple days ago um i sent out a tweet saying um lee lee one l af, after watching malignant it's just a gif that says challenge accepted
5: <laughs>
0: because i really i really was thinking of like of um upgrade and like that one shootout scene in uh the Invisible Man and how, and how he would have uh, handled this, uh, this really well choreographed action scene from um, the, the performer who did uh, Gabriel, her name is um, Marina Mazepa. She's a, she's a contortionist who I don't, I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen a contortionist um, do the kind of things that that she pull pulls off
5: in in that scene. The the way she moved, to it kind of reminded me of like this, like the a Matrix fight scene, but with a Ray Harryhausen character. Yeah, that's
3: that's the way that's the
5: way she moved. It was just so unnatural it actually did give me like jason the argonauts vibes and there was this yeah. like
4: parkour thing that that uh, gabriel was doing and i was just for it
1: yeah i have to say like we've talked about how Juan basically got a budget and ran wild with it but the use of a lot of practical effect for gabriel specifically works really well for this like, it looks real in a way that is upsetting. And I don't think CG could have pulled that off.
5: No,
0: no.
1: not at all.
5: I think that's kind of, like, one of the traits is that if you're an aspiring horror director in the 2010s, um, you, on 2020s, so you have to ha- use practical effects now. Like, like you cannot be, like, it seems like you... You cannot be a horror fan who makes horror movies now and use CGI most of the time. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there was,
0: like, a little bit of CGI used. Um, but it you can definitely tell that most of it was was practical.
4: I'm assuming the transition scenes, like, were... Like, where you see, like, the little... Uh, um, the transitions from, like, the um kind of the dreamlike uh scenes uh to where she where um the main character was witnessing the murders like where you see like the wallpaper and stuff kind of disintegrate around Mm
1: -hmm. Uh i'm assuming
4: that was a little um at least a little cgi but Mm
0: -hmm. it
4: looks really visually interesting enough that i don't it doesn't really distract
0: yeah Mm
2: -hmm. I think the best directors find a way of kind of marrying the two sensibilities like you have the practical effects and designs, then you kind of pepper in effects just kind of to render the image and make it like pop a little more. So I I think that shows kind of Juan's skill set is that he's able to kind of blend both, you know, styles.
0: Mm
5: -hmm, mm -hmm. It uses CGI when it like using practical effects would just been impossible. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: Um Gwen what do you think of the uh, the transition scenes when when Maddie is is like going into these visions
3: of of all the murders Oh um that's actually like very impressive use of visual effects I feel because like I I don't exactly know how he did it because like it, it, the visual effect transitions to another practical set but the actor is in the same exact position; like she hasn't changed at all. So I don't really, I don't really know how exactly he pulled off. But he, the thing with James Wan is like he he's very he's always been very clever about that. He's he's only used like CGI and stuff when it's absolutely necessary, and he keeps everything else practical. And um, he always works on sets you know like he very rarely works in like like on location you know he usually works in studio sets and everything because that's the only way he can get the camera movements he wants because he uses spider cams a lot right so i am i imagine that's what he did like he had like two separate sets or maybe it was the same set redesigned to look like a different set you know and and they had the spider cam just going around her so that they could have like I I I assume kind of the seamless effect where they could just mask her and get the red. I don't really know exactly how they did it I'm still learning this stuff myself but it's very impressive work how he pulled that off I feel it's very trippy it's I I don't really know how to describe it beyond that, but it's a very psychedelic type of transition that I haven't really seen before, so.
0: It, it, it it's definitely- a,
3: a little
4: of the terrible Nightmare on Elm Street remake in some ways, but actually, like, used well.
3: You know what? I'm going to say this right now. If uh, they were to remake Nightmare on Elm Street again, um, you have your director. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, hmm
3: Of all the I've horror seen. movies
0: I've seen this year, I think this is the one that I I'd, I'd like need to see a behind the scenes documentary of how they pulled all this stuff
5: off. Oh, I was they have they Yeah, have some
1: fascinating.
5: some feature for that on HBO Max. Oh, there is. Oh, in. nice. Oh. Cool. Yeah, for yeah, for each movie like for they they put out like they have like a little bonus features for each of the um, same day, same releases, um sort of thing that they're doing for all of twenty twenty
1: one. that's so smart. Yeah,
3: yeah I I was telling Jenny, I was like, if they do not have like a like commentary, like a director's commentary on this Blu-ray, they have failed.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: Seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
4: Um, we were talking about uh performances earlier. I just want to bring up that is McKenna Grace ever going to be out of a job where she plays a younger version of the protagonist?
0: Nope. <laughs> that, 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 that will be on her resume forever. How uh, but, but she's, is she? uh, she's gotta <laughs> be qu- she's gotta be in her teens now. Um, um okay.
4: she is 15.
0: I feel like she's been around a lot longer
1: than that, but that's <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i agree uh, like how
3: how she began
0: acting professionally at the age of six um, Jesus, <laughs> and i think one of her first roles was um on a disney xd sitcom called crash and bernstein
3: like i know she played the young okay. version of I, sabrina
0: i thought that that show was a lot older
4: than it was huh she's been young sabrina spellmane young emma swan on once upon a time young tanya harding young theodora kane on the haunting of hill house um young carol danvers in captain marvel um
5: and now this and also young daphne and scuba
3: oh that's right oh my god it's almost (laughs) like they cast her for that exclusively as a meme
5: yeah (laughs) It's I'm like gonna put John it past Bean them because that movie
3: basically was meme central. So
5: McKenna's <laughs> not
3: available. The whole movie's cancelled now. <laughs> I, I love how on Wikipedia, like one of the
0: paragraphs, starts with Grace's career has mostly consisted of portraying the younger the young version of older characters.
3: Well, if it ain't broke, i not fix status. it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but honestly, I think. I think a lot of these performances, um, I, I was a big fan of a lot of these performances. One, one in particular that I was kind of surprised um, just to see her on screen again was Susanna Thompson, who played um, the mother.
3: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was really great. Is uh, she? But,
0: yes. If you, if, you don't, if you don't know who she is, um, that was Moira Queen on Arrow. And this is the first time I've seen her on screen in, like, maybe just under a decade, because I don't, I don't, I don't know what else she's been in outside of Arrow. So it was, it was just a nice, a nice surprise to see her again.
3: And also, I don't think we could go without mentioning uh, Marina. I believe her name is Mazeppa. She is the one that did the physical performance for Gabriel because she is a contortionist dancer. Yep. <laughs> and boy, the stuff that she does in this movie is really yeah, fascinating. She's,
1: <laughs> yeah, she's far in a way to stand out. Um, the thing I, the only thing I want to say is that about this movie that I would say is slightly negative is that everybody playing a cop or a cop adjacent in this movie was horrible like just on an acting level like i get there's a level of camp to this movie but they were so bad that i truly thought the twist was going to be that this whole universe was a csi type show and annabelle wallace was hallucinating the murders they were acting out (laughs) (laughs) that was not the case and probably for the better that would have been a terrible twist but yeah i was definite every time i went to the cops and they were quipping at each other i was like please but, like, god I, just take I, us I, back to what I, we wanted
3: i've always felt that was intentional because even all the way back at saw the detectives in that movie are just like they're csi characters like they always have been i it has to be entirely intentional on his part that that cops and his movies always act like that
0: so that so that's that's been a James Wan staple for basically his entire career.
3: Yes. <laughs> like even the detective that's questioning Rose Byrne in Insidious Chapter 2, exactly the same way. <laughs>
1: And, and I mean, that's fair. I'm not as familiar with, with Juan, but going into it blind, I was just like, oh my God, I don't want to deal with these people anymore. Like, especially the lockup girl with the crush on the other guys. It's like, I do not care about you. Why am, why does the narrative think I I'm supposed to care about you? I've only known you for five seconds. I was just like. I was very much
3: like ready to move
1: on from that.
3: (laughs) Wow. That is actually like me and Jenny, whenever we got to that one scene with her, like she was barely in the movie. And then when it gets to the one scene where she could actually be in danger, like both of us were holding our breath. Like we barely know this woman, but we don't want her to die. She seems nice.
1: (laughs) I mean, I will, I will be fair. I also, I didn't want her to die for sure. That scene was very tense and well done. I just thought she was annoying.
4: Yeah.
2: I, I get where you both are coming from, cause I'm I'm probably with you, Gwen, cause I I think like it kind of leans into that campy, like corny buddy cop kind of nature where they almost like one of the detectives. It, it feels like they almost always talk with in like quips and just have mm-hmm. like these silly jokes. I forget what, what was the reference? One of them had a, they did the sketch, the police sketch. And one of them said it, it looked like someone from the Goonies, I think. I, from
5: the Goonies. Yeah, that, that, I, the I actually laughed
2: laugh at that. In my theater.
4: That, that was the biggest laugh. laugh in my theater for the record.
2: <laughs> I think I did too. I was dying at that. So I, I thought it was like, that was the performances from like a traditional standpoint great? Like probably not, but I, I think Juan utilized kind of, campiness and like over serious Mm -hmm. delivery and like kind of a a smart way
3: yeah like and and also i'm gonna say another thing about gabriel i actually think that it's time to cut out the cancer i think that line may end up being as iconic as i want to play a game I really think it will end up being that that, that dramatic zoom.
0: Yeah, as she says that is amazing. Mm-hmm. I hope that becomes a meme um, when when like dealing with either you know some toxic fanboy on Twitter or or just like applied to anything. I just want to see it's time to cut out the cancer. Uh, spread. <laughs> um, like, wow. I will say that uh,
4: Zoe Bell's reaction To um, In the prison sequence that's already um, Definitely catching on As a bit of a meme So yeah. there's hope for Basically everything In this movie I think
3: uh, um, And also To, to get back to the, to the slow zoom Thing I've gone on rants about this On Twitter basically But that's also a James Wan um, Staple and in all of his movies he always for dramatic scenes especially if it's like a shot reverse shot which is something I usually like I know it's it's standard practice in a lot of filmmaking and stuff but the shot reverse shot if not done well is honestly exhausting for me to look at Mm -hmm. but James Wan always in dramatic scenes he'll just slowly zoom in on the actor and like it'll continue doing that as the scene cuts back and forth like the camera will slowly zoom in on the actors continuously it never stops so until it you know hits like a moment like it's time to cut out the cancer and like like it stops for that moment because again he loves to just get into really corny deliveries like that and i was really amazed to read some reviews for this movie just like oh this movie is just so bad but i'm like that's that's he's literally intending for this kind of delivery it's actually pretty good (laughs) look if you don't
4: understand what the movie is going for the second um dr weaver says You've been a bad, bad boy, Gabriel. Oh yeah. If you don't know that the movie is in on the joke, then you are a lost cause.
5: I am sorry. I forgot that. Like, that was hilarious. That line.
0: Hell, before that, like the I think the very first scene after the the New Line logo is a shot of the. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is that the? Is that the Simeon Hospital Tower?
3: I I think so. Yeah, it's like right on the on the edge of a cliff. Yeah, like, why would you have a children's hospital on the edge of a cliff?
4: Also, can we talk about the parking job that the sister does at the edge of the cliff? Because that was amazing.
3: Also, the staircase is on the edge of the cliff. But... I love
5: like, it you, so you
1: know, I was you know, dying over the fact there's just a pile of chairs in the in like the front lawn. you know nothing ominous here just a pile of goddamn chairs you know like normal people do in front of their children's hospital on a cliff
4: god
3: the 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 production
0: of this movie Mm -hmm.
3: is ridiculous and it's always ridiculous A james wan movie like i mean his repetitive use of fog and haze to the point of absurdity like that that has actually been a thing since like dead silence is just that endless sea of fog and haze and none of the qu- characters ever question it like it's just part of the world
0: um i'm trying to i'm trying to think what 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 else um stands out from from just like the production design because the wigs oh my god the wigs
3: um, amazing yeah the, the, are you talking about the wigs in the prison all of them <laughs> the woman with the mullet
4: <laughs> what the Zoe
3: fuck Bell.
4: <laughs> Zoe Bell just yes
3: mm. Wow.
1: a lot of the <laughs> to to distract from the wigs, I'm sorry. Um, a lot of the camera work in this is really like super gorgeous. Like the scene oh, where yeah. she's basically running through the house clue style to try and lock every door is so like involving just because of the way it's shot. And I like, feel like this movie has a lot of verve that a lot well, of... She, the
5: when movies, she disappears from you know, on one side of the house only to reappear on the next.
3: Yeah, like that. Oh, that is... Yeah. That's another thing I have to give this movie is like I feel this is like I mean it is James Wan style of you know camera work it has been since Insidious because I believe he has been working with the same cinematographer since that movie but like. Mm -hmm. That has been his visual style is like follow like a camera following through everything. But I feel this is the best use of it, especially in that scene that you described, because like it's clear that they just had a like had a set where they cut out the roof and just followed her through the entire mm-hmm,
1: <laughs> scene. Mm-hmm.
3: But and, like, another scene where the camera work is fucking insane is, like, the, the police precinct scene in the final act, mm-hmm. which...
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. oh so the, the name of this uh, cinematographer is um, Michael Burgess. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's worked on... Um, he's worked on at least everything from The Conjuring 2... Um, well, he's, he's done camera work for The Conjuring 2... Um, Aquaman, The Nun, The Curse of La Llorona, and as a cinematographer, um, he worked on Malignant, um, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and Annabelle Comes Home. Hmm.
3: So that, that actually explains why Annabelle Comes Home actually does look more like James Wan movies than other Conjuring <laughs> movies. <laughs> Yeah, this is
0: this is clearly someone who, who won, um, who won likes to collaborate with quite frequently. Mm-hmm. The use
2: of lighting was really fantastic in the movie too. I mean, when you had um, the scene with one of her doctors and there was the the sign outside his window and just the red kind of bleeding into the room like there was a lot of great just little lighting tricks here and there that i think really set the mood effectively
3: yeah absolutely um but god like 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 uh um, I don't remember which one. Uh, which one of you said in the conversation uh, that it, it's m- like the most action horror movie? Which one of you said that? I, <laughs> I think uh, that might have been me. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you, you're right because like there, like there is like an extended chase sequence in the movie, like halfway through the movie, which kind of shocked, like. It kind of gave me flashbacks to Saw a little bit whenever they, they, um, Donald Glover and his partner end up, um, finding John Kramer and are like chasing him down in his labyrinth. And, mm-hmm. it, and I was like, no, dude, stop chasing Gabriel. He's gonna kill you. Stop chasing him. You're getting, gonna get freaking shotguns in the face and it's not like i like i just i was having basically ptsd from saw i was like stop following him (laughs) but thankfully thankfully he made it through but it was just like oh god he's gonna die (laughs) but god like gabriel's just like the just like jumping around walls like Spider Man, he knows Kung Fu. Like, wh- how?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> By the way, I
0: forgot to I forgot to mention this earlier, but um, they hired a really great voice actor to play um, like to do the voice for Gabriel. Yeah.
3: Who d- who does do that? I've been trying to figure out who did that. I couldn't.
0: Um, it's Ray Chase and, um. I think uh, most most people will know that name as the voice of Gendo from the Netflix dub of um, Neon Genesis Evangelion, but he's 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 very prominent in um, in like anime dubs, um, and he's done he's done um, voices for you know some of the DC films like he he was in. Um, he, he was Etrick and the Demon in Justice League Dark.
3: That's what I heard him from. I knew I recognized that voice, but I just couldn't pinpoint it. Yeah. So He's to been hear in
1: a lot,
0: a lot, yeah, a lot of anime. Mm-hmm. So to hear him um, show up in this movie is is nothing short of incredible.
2: Yeah, I, I think. The, he, the voice acting and also the, the physical performance and I, I think really the the writing and the, the Gabriel has this very kind of dry like sardonic wit in a lot mm-hmm. of situations that's often very unnerving but also kind of funny in its own cheeky way so like I think all of those assets coming together it creates like a really memorable horror villain like people who have liked the movie have talked about Gabriel a lot and I feel like horror movies now don't have that kind of that memorable it character. I mean, like like in the classics, you know, like Freddie and Michael Myers and all that. But I think it was like kind of a, a close kind of iteration of that in a way.
3: Yeah, like I like a lot of the. I feel like maybe Ghostface might have been the last truly iconic horror villain in that way. I mean, I guess Jigsaw. Yeah, that's a too. good one. Like, because Mostly just because Tobin Bell is just so freaking chilling. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, he seems like the nicest guy, but man, his voice is I, very intimidating.
5: <laughs> I've actually met Tobin Bell at um Grand Rapids Comic Con. Oh, awesome. I attended a QA and a of his. He seemed like such a sweet guy. Yeah. Very chill.
3: Th- that's really cool. Like, and I, and I imagine he is like every interview I've I've heard of his like he seems like a very sweet, very humble guy. But his voice is just I I can't not associate it with um, John Kramer. So it's just it's very hard for me to think of his voice in any other way than that. <laughs>
5: He start. He just recently started. I remember seeing a trailer for like this Christian movie that he was just in called A Father's Legacy. Oh no. Yeah, <laughs> like. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Jigsaw finds Jesus. <laughs> I, I think I he just. For that movie.
4: I think he just. Maybe here's a twist. I think he basically takes a lot of like movies that, just in general, like any um actor in the industry
3: so
4: i'm not gonna read like anything into it specifically he seems like
3: oh no i i I rarely read into that with um a lot of christian movies because i i've i've heard even in christian movie like christian music a lot of the people who do christian music aren't actually christian they they just do it because it's profitable
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) apparently the christian music scene is um
3: very, very lucrative. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Uh-huh. I don't know how uh, we got on this tangent, but okay. <laughs> uh, there
1: is notably no Christian music in this movie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there might Sorry. be, there might be.
1: <laughs> Depending on how you look at the pixies, maybe. Yeah. That was a joke. That was an absolute, that was definitely a joke. I don't. Although spe- <laughs> speaking,
0: speaking of the music, um, I, I do kind of have to ask, which, um, which, which use of of pop music into the score do you think worked better, this, or um, I got five on it from Jordan Peele's Us? Because I think I think both kind of have like that that same sort of energy.
3: I here's the thing: um, the "Where Is My Mind" one in this movie I feel is just James Wan being really cheeky with the audience just like let's see if you can guess the twist of this movie just by this little cue here Um, which it went right over my head honestly (laughs) (laughs) because I wasn't paying attention to that I was just too invested in the story but I feel like um, I've got five on it and us was just more chilling you know just in the execute like i mean us is also a very campy movie but it it just it's just inherently more chilling with lupita nyong'o's performance to go with that track i'm i'm gonna be
4: honest um the difference is i didn't really know i wasn't as familiar with i got five on it before us came out um because i have my um blind spots and uh but like, where is my mind? I, I recognized and I was like, is that where is my mind? And then I just went and I waited after the credits specifically just to see. <laughs> just, um, to just to confirm. Credited and it was. And I was like, okay, I, I was I was right. I, yeah. th- I feel proud of myself.
3: Yeah. And also, I'm just going to say this right now. This is the, actually the first time since Fight Club that this kind of twist has worked for me. And it's specifically because of how James Wan took it and went about it in such a fresh and unique way that is honestly so deranged that I'm honestly shocked he even got away with it. (laughs) I think, I think the reason
0: why this works is kind of what we talked about earlier. Um, The, like the movie, like the movie as a whole is pretty definitively camp, but Mm -hmm. He takes he takes certain characters seriously. Like oh, always. Like you like you you need that one emotional anchor, and that's exactly who Maddie is.
3: Maddie, that, Maddie in the relationship with her sister specifically. That's the mo- that's the whole emotional anchor of the movie. Yep. I I I read an interview
0: where Juan describes this as the horror version of Frozen. And now oh, I, I can't, I that that is I perfect. can't, I
3: can't uncompare it anymore. Like, it, it, and it's actually better than Frozen. In my phone. I'm with you there.
1: Mm-hmm. So is Gabriel Olaf?
3: <laughs> yes, Gabriel's Olaf. Uh, I mean, he is uh, Elsa's imaginary friend made real. So. But does he like warm hugs
5: yes he does
3: i well i mean it seemed like he wanted a warm hug from his mom at first until he decided oh i'm just gonna suffocate you with a pillow (laughs) (laughs) but uh, like like that was actually one thing at that ending that actually surprised me is like he kind of hesitated whatever she asked for forgiveness Like, he just stopped and was like, do I really want to kill her? <laughs> and it kind of made me think, like, like, Gabriel's almost just, like, this sad little boy that feels rejected. Because it, it, then it actually reminded me at the beginning of the movie where the, um, where the surgeon is, like, he wants to go home. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, oh shit like James Wan actually is giving Gabriel this sadistic murderous psychopath that just is absolutely relentless he actually gives him his own emotional center where he's he's just like this sad kid who was left behind by his mother and just lets that resentment eat him up and just turn him into this monster so I thought that that was really interesting
2: yeah I think think,
1: oh you go ahead ahead. no go ahead
2: I was I agree with your point a lot uh Gwen because I think part of what makes like kind of a lot of great villains a villain is like there's this outward menace to them but then there's like an insecurity at at their center just kind of in this case, it was of the character, it was very much their kind of youth and just kind of the being disconnected and kind of the heartbreak of the character. So I think it's good to have that kind of like bouncing factors.
3: Mm-hmm. And like I, I, I've i kind of briefly mentioned on, on Twitter, like this is like Gabriel is really ultimately a metaphor for uh, Madison's repressed trauma. Oh, from- yeah from her childhood so you could say like it's really her like in in a more metaphorical sense it's really her acting out you know due to the the trauma of her biological mother just giving her up like i i feel like and and also feeling abused by the doctors that like, took care of her in a way. Yeah, because what wasn't she like? Um,
0: she she was like eight when, um, when she was adopted. Mm-hmm.
3: I think nine. She, I, I believe she was eight. It could have been nine, it, either I or. I mean, it's pretty close. But like, that's. You know that that's like just just
0: old enough to be, you know, like con- conscious of your surroundings, but still young enough that like you're, you know, without without like a parent or guardian figure. So yeah, I can I can understand a lot, um, a lot of where that trauma is built is built from.
3: Mm-hmm. And of course, the repressed trauma comes out whenever her husband just bashes her skull open. So it's... Yeah. What I was
1: going to say earlier was, since we keep dancing around it, maybe we should just out and say what the twist is at this point, because we're really getting into it.
3: Okay. Um, Basically, like, Gabriel was a parasitic twin of... Madison's back then Emily whenever she was born so basically it's it's almost like a almost kind of like a Siamese twin, twin situation but it's more so a sentient tumor that is fused to her spine and brain and that's where the title of the movie comes malignant which translates to cancerous. It was staring us right in the face the whole time. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the surgeons try, because Gabriel seems like the more dominant of the two. So they're trying to work with that consciousness and, and try and um, develop it more. But then they realize that he is malicious He is way too powerful. He can drink electricity and is just trying to kill everyone to get back home to his mother. And they end up deciding like, okay, we're we're just going to have to cut him out. And so they cut out as much as Gabriel as they possibly can. Um, But they have to leave um, parts of him that are fused to madison's brain which would be his teeth and eyes and they end up sealing him inside of her skull well years later her abusive husband that she has had many miscarriages with and he of course like an asshole blames her for it um he ends up throwing her head up against a wall and cracks her skull open and waking up Gabriel and starting this entire murder spree and then whenever the cops think that she has been the one committing all these murders and she is left alone with a bunch of basically 70s stereotypes Um, basically (laughs) um (laughs) Gabriel comes out in the most gruesome way by his face protruding from the back of her skull, which also explains why Gabriel's head is in exactly the opposite direction of his body. Yeah, Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that was something throughout the entire movie. I was like, why are his body and head so mismatched that was something like i noticed like with the hands they manage to trick you a bit but if you pay attention to his feet that's where it really gives it away it's like why are his feet backwards and then whenever that twist hits i was like oh of course that makes a lot of sense <laughs> but yeah basically what he's been doing this entire time is uh getting revenge against all of the people that um took him away from madison or as he always knew her emily basically anyone that took her uh, took him away from his sister so there's another little emotional curveball with that character because he's very manipulative of her but he also relies on her so it's just interesting
0: okay. yeah there's there, there's a um a very um <clears throat> sadistic uh codependency mm-hmm. and like you mentioned gwen like
2: juan he's a great kind of showman in this way he presents what the twist is going to be in so many obvious ways. Like you mentioned with the song, I mean, the title of the movie, the opening of the movie, but he finds a way to constantly like kind of distract audiences mm-hmm. from the obvious and really sink <laughs> into the narrative. And yeah, I, I love the reveal of it. I mean, I think it came in at the perfect time and that's like right when we kind of kicks into gear and just goes pedal to the metal. So it, I think he really played the whole twist like
3: Yeah, and, like, the thing is, is whenever she was arrested and put in prison because, like, their mother is strapped in her attic (laughs) and just falls through, like... Oh, my
1: God, that was... My jaw dropped. I was like, well, whatever I expected, it was not that. Well,
3: and then I was just like, oh, no, I know one is better than this. He's not going to he's not going to do the lazy fight club twist, is he? Like it wasn't lazy in Fight Club. I love it in Fight Club, but every freaking movie after it that has tried to bank on that twist, it is the most cliche twist in the entire book. It's a cop out every single time. And I was like, "Please no. Please do not do that. Please do not do that twist." And he kind of did. But the way he did it is just so shocking and, and just weird that I, I couldn't help but love it this time. And it was actually smart.
4: I loved how it kind of combined that twist with uh, something like basket case. Yes. Um, to the point where like the second I saw that twist, I'm like, oh my God, basket case.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what they we're doing here. So now I know I need to watch basket basket case next.
1: Mm -hmm. And one thing I will give this is there's a lot of fraught things that can come with a horror movie where the plot twist is they were the killer the whole time. And I think a lot of movies like that haven't aged (sighs) well because it ends up kind of, you know, demonizing people who aren't neurotypical in specific ways. And I think the way yeah. this twist is executed is so ludicrously over the top
3: that you just can't, like so well can't that it's associate like, it
4: with real things at all no you
1: can't it's like how you know I, I don't know for me having an alien stuck to my back that makes me kill people and contorts my body in weird ways is not tuesday that's not something that happens to me often but it's uh it happens to my buddy I eric think- uh <laughs> you know, I, it, it happens more and more these days. It's a real shame.
3: The only, but, sorry, go ahead. Keep, keep going, Oh no,
1: yeah. I was just going to say like, I, I appreciate cause I was sitting there also dreading the, Oh, is it her the whole time? How is it her the whole time? What, what horrible thing happened to her to make her do this? What pop psychology thing is going to get twisted to the point of, ludicrousness but no no it's i don't think you could mistake and you couldn't really it it wasn't the twist was really shocking but also really enjoyable because then you're like oh shit this is some wild stuff like you're not sitting there (laughs) going uh you know sometimes i feel Mm -hmm. like that am i gonna start killing people too like that kind of (laughs) feeling
3: (laughs) yeah like um and and also there is one thing that's very interesting is like because gabriel like is so clearly alien in design like before Mm -hmm. like he's reduced to just an eyeball and teeth um Mm -hmm. but like again like he's very alien looking and of course he drinks electricity and all that stuff he he, he has powers like he's freaking neo from the matrix but and and we know how him and madison were conceived it's said straight up you know in the interview with their mother whenever she gives them up that she was assaulted
1: Okay.
3: and her christian mother disapproved of the pregnancy of course um but um there was one person in on my twitter mentions it was like if james wan did a sequel i i'm very curious to know what the dad is mm-hmm because yeah, I, was,
0: I was I was gonna ask that next like um where 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 do you go with with a sequel to this because I um after I saw this movie, I didn't necessarily want i I, I obviously want more movies like this that take
3: like that, oh absolutely that big I swing. Want way more I want big swing horror movies like this and us I want way more of that shit but like <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't
0: want Hollywood to get, I don't want the studio to get the wrong idea of like, oh, Gabriel mm-hmm. is like, is the next Jason. So let's do more
3: of these. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that worries me whenever some people are like malignant two And I'm like, oh God, please, no, please, please do not turn him the next Michael Myers. Please, I, I don't want that. And I then, guess this w- is but then funny. whenever you start thinking about it, it's like there's a lot of stuff here that is completely unexplained that you could actually legitimately make a great sequel if you knew how to construct it narratively. And also, another thing that would just be interesting is how James Wan has the detectives and the courts legally explain this absurdity. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's exactly what I was gonna say. I will accept the sequel to this. That is a courtroom drama of of uh, of Annabelle Wallace's character trying to clear her name while explaining this absolute insanity that has been foisted on her body.
5: That was kind of my problem with Conjuring Three is that it presented that idea but I didn't really go with it. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah, if, if if Malignant Two is. They can even just call it the pe- the people versus malignant, or or um, malignant to the people versus Gabriel <laughs> so, Just something completely ridiculous.
1: Law and order special malignant unit.
0: How
4: do we get a jury of Gabriel's peers?
3: <laughs> I think that's going to be a pretty biased jury <laughs> Because who's gonna side with the alien teeth and eye and a woman's brain?
1: Seems like a job for unfrozen caveman lawyer. Personally,
4: (laughs) a part of me I do want to say is happy—not happy, but relieved that it isn't doing amazingly at the box office with um so far um um i think i saw um 15 uh million like project um weekend or uh even less than that yeah like five million
3: yeah but Um, also like here's the thing i don't think this movie would get as much attention on twitter as it did had it not been on HBO max because no one knew this movie was coming out until two months ago. I yeah. was the, I was like one of the only people that was like, Hey, there's a new James Wan movie coming out. And everyone on my Twitter was like, wait, what? I i knew about this movie as well, but that's
0: because I'm a nerd who pays attention to who pays attention to like um, press junkets and sle- like, and like, um, interviews um like James Wan has been talking about this movie ever since he did press for Annabelle Comes Home
3: yeah I, became aware I just of looked it. up what the budget uh, I looked up what the budget of this movie is it's it's 40 million dollar budget yeah that's that's
0: that's not that's not nothing
3: but no. it's also it's 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 bigger that, like, than you'd expect for most horror films today, but exactly, it is, it is um, just, much lower than Aquaman.
4: <laughs> um, quick clarification: the fifteen million is worldwide.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. That that's <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah,
1: yeah. I've heard um, be,
2: people... Oh, you go
1: ahead. I was going to say, I'd be interested to see to hear the the HBO numbers, though, because to me, this feels like such a ideal you you rent this on impulse because the cover looks so badass kind of movies
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: a lot of the marketing did play into that like my the only marketing i saw for this movie was the poster and i was like ooh
0: oh the poster has been wonderful
1: that's like one of i would love a copy of that to hang in my house like that is an awesome looking poster and it has that say and the the movie has that that kind like i was saying like video nasties like this is a thing i would have rented at blockbuster in my late I, teens and been like "Ooh, look at this thing let's watch it like, at midnight
4: absolutely and then like on opening... like tv and like Wait. at like two in the morning
3: mm-hmm. like, yeah. like like, on like
4: you know like spike tv or something i don't know and the
3: thing is is yeah. james wan totally knew that because it, mm-hmm. like he totally plays into it the second the movie starts with the opening production logos it's like a vhs this <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. is like you you know what kind of movie
0: this is i, I right hope, and i hope he puts this on on vhs just just for that like just, just to play just further into that aesthetic. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I also, like I know horror movies are commonly communal experiences in the theater, but to me, kind of the way that they've marketed this, the vibe of this, everything, I don't know that a low theater take is necessarily the end of the world for a movie like this. I can see this movie lasting for decades, just being played on like
0: mm-hmm.
1: HBO in the middle of the night or on a spike, does Spike TV still do horror movie marathons during Halloween like they used I to when so. I was a kid? But like <laughs> one of those types of things, you know?
4: My my point was more so that I think the um lower box office result actually does kind of fit the vibe of the movie and that it's really already kind of becoming its like a cult classic, like just the week it comes out. And mm-hmm. I don't think I would have it any other way. I think it it fits its legacy very well. And it's, I think I'm like kind of pleasantly like, I'm pleased with uh, how it's kind of turning out into its own weird um, fan base. And I really love it when something like that happens.
5: It might mm-hmm. be this generation's evil dead. Who knows? I've, I've already
0: been seeing comparisons I mean, to a if-
5: uh, cabin in the woods for oh, that similar God. cult
3: cult status what it you mentioned evil dead and that made me think army of darkness and then that made me think oh my god what if james Wan actually took malignant and did an army of darkness style sequel to it oh my god
1: (laughs) that would be great
3: i'm like
4: i'm also kind of picturing like it being more like kind of venom in a way just annabelle wallace arguing with gabriel (laughs)
3: yeah that could be fun
0: (laughs) like having multiple scenes take place in like the mind prison
3: i i mean that's a very beautiful set i would love to see more of that and probably expanded too Mm -hmm. same
1: this is also the kind of thing where it's like i this is gonna sound so stupid i don't i don't usually watch horror movies but i love going through halloween mazes I don't know. There's no logic there. I don't know why I'm like that, but this would make one hell of a like horror night's maze. Like that's the kind of thing that excites me about this is that it's it's so wild and so wacky that I can see them doing a lot of creative things with the IP in the future.
3: Just just have the horror maze be the children's hospital. Mm-hmm. I, I was gonna I was gonna say yeah. that that would be a perfect location.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: Even have it and, on the edge of a cliff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the scary part <laughs> is parking your car.
3: Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh,
0: God. Oh. So it's in- sounds it sounds like we're we're kind of winding down. Um for fi- anyone have any final thoughts? Matt, I'll I'll start with you. Uh yeah.
2: I I had kind of lukewarm expectations going into it just because the lack of kind of marketing push and i was really won over by it i think it was you know gleefully kind of campy it never got too self-aware for its own good everything was played kind of with the right level of kind of cheekiness and i just think visually it was very dynamic and exciting so i think it's definitely up there with old for me for my favorite horror movie of the year
3: I still have yet to see Old, so... It's definitely oh, it's a
2: love-it-or-hate-it movie, for sure.
3: <laughs> and I have, a, I have a feeling you're going to really love Old. Yeah, I mean, given that I even give The Happening a lot of benefit of the doubt, I'm sure I'll enjoy Old. <laughs> uh,
0: well, Gwen, I'll go, I'll go to you next. Your, your final, final thoughts on Malignant?
3: Um, you know, I... I I mean, I think anyone who follows me on Twitter knows what my feelings on the movie are. I basically talked about it nonstop for two straight days. But um, somehow without spoiling the movie, um, (laughs) maybe um, some people on Twitter should take a few notes whenever it comes to Marvel movies. But anyway, getting that out of my head, um, it's really really good I I said like I feel it really is James Wan honing in every um stylistic sensibility Mm -hmm. that he has um really perfected over the years he's even subverted it many times in this movie um specifically like whenever you know like how he builds anticipation for his jump scares in movies and he very rarely does the jump scare in this movie while still building that anticipation and just totally threw me off i was like oh there's gonna be a jump scare wait what there's not okay um (laughs) um but like it's it's a very good movie and James Wan is very playful with um his audience is that really understand the types of movies he makes and is really wanting to subvert their expectations with this one it's like like um Matt said it's very self-aware but not too self-aware to the point to where it's cringy it's it's just it's it's very earnest as well um you know, like with the relationships with the characters and stuff, it, it takes itself seriously while still having fun. And I it's something I wish more horror movies would do because I feel too many horror films try too hard to be just bleak and depressing and serious. I'm looking at you, Ari Aster. Um, but seriously... I I just want more fun and absolutely batshit insane horror movies like this. That's all I have to say, really. Nice.
5: Uh, Jacob, I'll go to you next. If you're not familiar with the impact James Wan has had on the horror industry you stumble across this movie, I think you'll especially be amazed by just how bad shit it can be. Uh, it's a horror movie event. It truly is. It's something that you're not going to forget for a while. Definitely go see it if you want to see um, a swing for the fences type of Hollywood horror movie. So that type of movie that we haven't seen in a while. Nice. Yeah, very much. Haley
1: uh yeah so i'm not a horror movie person and i thought this was a lot of fun this is a good this is a good horror movie for people who don't like horror movies and i think because it is it's over the top it's it's wild it's fun to watch it's it's filmed beautifully um it makes me sad that these kind of genre movies generally don't get like Academy Award attention unless they've got an A24 slapped on their front, because I feel like this has amazing cinematography. We haven't talked about the sound design and the sound editing, but it's the best sound I've heard in the movie in a long time. It's
3: absolutely really well
1: choreographed, just stunt work. All of the stuff in this movie is impeccably done. And it's Mm -hmm. also like we keep saying it doesn't take itself too seriously, but there is a real sense of fun and and freewheeling abandon in this whole movie that makes it really compelling to watch um it it's it's almost two hours and you don't feel the two hours it's really it's a it's definitely worth checking out yeah Um,
3: absolutely by the time it finished i I was like really it's over
1: (laughs) i I felt like you needed another scene to clarify whether or not she's going to jail i will say that (laughs) (laughs) um but uh yeah, I this is one of those few horror movies I sit that I'm sitting the more I reflect on it and go, Yeah, I'd probably unambiguously recommend this to just about everyone because it's a fun time. It's just a really fun, good, cracking little action horror movie. It's, it's, yeah, it's the perfect midnight movie. It's great.
0: Well said, Hayden. Yeah, so
4: if you weren't persuaded by the trailers then i would definitely say watch it and make your own decision know what you are getting into know that you are going to watch something that's just a lot of fun and it's and a, another comparison i want to bring up is like it has a lot of like kind of these weird john waters elements that i really enjoyed um it just in terms of kind of this campy abandon um just know what you're gonna get because a lot of people are seeming to not get it because I'm assuming they lack basic film literacy but yeah just I highly recommend it I think it's delightful I'm going to watch it for every Halloween whatever I'm just in
3: love with it go see it I think I'll do the same, and uh, I don't think my girlfriend's going to be very happy with me about it because this film very much disturbed her.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I think I agree with all you. This is this this is the kind of movie that I didn't know I needed, but it's it it's yeah. the kind of it's the kind of movie that in my head I've wanted to see for for a while, but. James Wan seems to be the only director who after scoring $2 billion hits for two separate franchises has like built up enough, enough clout to be like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and make this. And you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things you have, you have to experience for yourself. I could I could see this like, um, this movie being passed on as, as a cult classic for, for years. And yeah, I'll probably make this part of my, uh, my Halloween rotation as well. So, um, if you haven't seen this yet, um, either go see it in theaters if you, feel, if you feel comfortable, or you can watch it at home on HBO Max, but please please see this as soon as you can um, because it might be something that you end up loving. So before we, before we get out of here, um, Matt, where can everyone find you online? You can check out my reviews
2: at BRWC.com. You can also just search my name on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Right now I'm covering the Toronto Film Festival. So just, Doing some di- uh, digital reviews for that, uh, among other things.
0: Awesome.
3: Gwen, where can everyone find you? Um, everyone can find me at Twitter. Um, well, on Twitter, at Gwen Loves Movies. Um, I do have a YouTube channel as well, uh, Gwen Glen Jaystone. I don't um, continuously upload um, because... I am busy with a ton of different things at once, but occasionally I will put something on there. So yeah. Um, That's all I got. (laughs) And Haley, where can people not
0: find you?
1: I'm actually the parasitic twin of some rando named Amy. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm not, I'm not anywhere. I'm in the Facebook group. Uh, Annoy me underneath the, whenever this is posted, but yeah, I'm, I'm just
4: here for fun.
0: And Hayden, where can everyone find you? You can find
4: me on Twitter at the Hayden Wilder. Um, I mostly post about uh musicals and so you can expect a lot of that. And Let's Jacob,
3: a of dear David Hansen coming to Twitter soon.
5: You can find me on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Joe Crable, K R E H B I E L. I'm also part of the Renegade Pop Culture Facebook group, and I have my own Letterboxd account, Streaming Demon. And you guys
0: can find me on Twitter at k 42 You can check out my quick thoughts on letterboxd.com slash CoachK42. And you can find me in all the various Facebook groups just at my name. You can check out Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. You can also find us on Podchaser, listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And last but not least, everything can be found at renegadepopculture.com. You need to escape? So do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Marquee. Thank you guys for joining, and we will catch you guys later. Peace out. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye, everyone.
0: Bye.